If you're like me, if you've grown up in church at any time, you've heard messages. And I think to the point where we get almost numb, like, Jesus is coming soon. Well, how soon is soon? Because I've heard that when I was three. You know, I'm not just, just saying that. It's like, Jesus is coming soon. He could come back tomorrow. And, and so I think sometimes we just get numb to it because even the disciples were asking about the coming of Christ and when would that be? And, and, and everybody, I don't know, I think we just get, uh, we get numb to the idea that Jesus could come back at any moment. And I, I think in the recent years, uh, things have really escalated. I, I did uh, some stuff on this a while back because of the fact is when we were going through COVID, uh, there was a lot of conversations about this stuff and different things that were happening and the government takeover and all that kind of stuff. And, and so um, our world is changing in big ways, uh, and it has made people think. And I think we need to think more as we see that the, the times are changing, what's going on. But I, I want to take a different approach to this, and you'll know as soon as I get into this that this is a really different kind of perspective because sometimes it's the signs that we're looking for, and there are signs that we're looking for, and the Bible talks about those. But I'm going to talk about some overarching principles dealing with end times. So it's more than just... Uh, certain things like, okay, we'll get into, and I get to do this next week too, and some of the things that I want to get, and we'll see how tonight goes, like, like Israel becoming a nation and the promises and the prophecies that were there, some of those direct things. But the, today, I just want to kind of take an overarching view of this, some biblical principles about this, because God is a God of order. Everything that he did, and I, I think if we understand the order and the reason why that, that this life is a, is a timeline, okay, if you will. And if you know before the timeline, what was there? In the beginning, there was God. There was no timeline. You know, it was just God. It was just, and, and if any of you have ever tried to answer that question with people, it's, it's mind-boggling. Have you, has anybody ever said, well, who created God? Where did God come from? Where was the start of God? You know, all this. And it's hard because they try to put God in our timeline, but he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. There, there is no beginning to God. And so our minds are like, okay, everything we know in life has a beginning. Well, that is, that's an important understanding or thing to understand when we talk about end times. Because think about it. What are we talking about when we say about end times? It means that we're er, getting to an end of something. So there has to be a beginning of something and there has to be a middle of something. Because after that, the only thing we know of time after the coming of Christ is what? Does anyone think about this? The millennium reign, which is how long? A thousand years. And then to infinity and beyond. It's like, you know, it's like we get into a whole new aspect of this. So when we talk about time, the Bible is, is, talks about order. God had a purpose and a plan. So why does God bring all things to an end? So if we're going to understand the end, we've got to understand that everything that's happening for a reason. So if you go back to the Genesis, we talk about end times. Well, somebody tell me the first three, four words in Genesis 1. In the beginning. So, okay, now we're at the other end of this. There was a start. There was a start. So now we talk about Revelation being an end, and we start with a start. And I don't think sometimes we start with um, that in our mindset when we're thinking. So God had something to accomplish. If you're running a race, think about it. You're going you're to line up on that line that says start. You're going to get in your spot. And you're going to push towards you run across the finish line. Well, God had a plan from the foundation of the earth that there would be a start and a finish to this. 
Everything was established and kind of laid out when he did creation. Because God could have said, let there be everything. Could he not? I, I Literally, and there was. But he didn't. He started with day one, and day two, and day three, and day four. He was setting up a sequence of order. He was setting up purpose. He was setting up time from the very beginning. He had a reason for all this. What did God do on the seventh day? Rested. Seven is the number of completion. We're going to get into some of these things because, again, it's not naming it. It's principles in the Bible. Seven is the number of completion. So God was teaching us something. He was establishing principles to this. So then we go to the other part of it, and, and really the end of time doesn't even get first brought up in Revelation, even though that's the end of the Bible. In Matthew 24, 3, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the signs of thy coming and the end of the world? So there was a beginning and the end. And so we have this established in Scripture, Genesis 1, and right here in this passage that we get this. In the meantime, let's talk about the middle. Okay, let's talk about the middle part. In the middle of it, everything was created for a reason. We were created for, who can tell me? Just throw it out me. We, why are we created? Why do we exist? To bring glory to God. And, and I've heard it. I, I got called on the spot. He, somebody said to me in a class when I was in Bible college, I felt so dumb. He said, what is the ultimate reason for man? And, and he pointed to me and he said, we've got Brother Tony in the background, and I'm a Bible college uh, student during that time. I said, that's to preach the gospel to every creature. And he was like, wrong. <laughs> I, was like, I was like teaching sixth grade boys. And I was like, oh, man. And it was my turn to teach the next week. And I was like, that's not a great start. Uh, he said, it's, it's for the glory of God. And underneath the glory of God, it is preaching the gospel to every creature. So it's not a, it's not a wrong answer. But it's not the full ar arching umbrella of everything. Is the fact is that God created every oh God and to need God, glory of God. We were created at the beginning of time for fellowship with God. We, we were created to walk with God. We were created to know God and to need God and to have God. That's why it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. For why? For Thy pleasure they were and they are and were created. We were created for the pleasure and the glory of God. And so we see this throughout history. Now, I don't know if we always view it this way. And I know what you're thinking. This is not end time stuff. Okay. But if, if we get an understanding of this, it does all make sense, I promise you. When God established the sacrifice of the Old Testament, when God established the children of Israel going through the wilderness, and He, and he told them to build the tabernacle of it from the very beginning of it, when He went up to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, give them three days that they might go into the wilderness and do what? Worship. Let, me, let them go into the wilderness and worship me. That was, the, that was the whole thing. It was like, let them come to me, let them have me, break them from bondage, and let them come unto me. They go into the, the they, their ten plagues, they get freed, they go into the wilderness. What happens after that? They, well, they complain, they do all these things. God establishes the tabernacle and the temple and for what? For presence of God, the kind of glory of God shining down on them. So then he, he established the preaching of the prophets. And, and you've got the book of Judges and, and all these different people that are constantly declaring God. Then Jesus comes down and he breaks the middle wall of partition down before them, before them in the temple. The, the, the veil was rent top to bottom. The separation, why? For the whole purpose of glory to God. 
Then you have the establishment of the church. Why? We're sitting here in a building, fellowship, whether we're having church in this aspect of it or every room in this church, for the glory of God. Our attention, our mind, our focus, our heart, our worship, our songs, all these things. God created us. God loves us. God desires us. When this world ceases to accomplish the purpose of bringing glory to God, then the world ceases to have purpose. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Yes. So when the world ceases to bring glory to God, then the world ceases to have reason. So it, it, that, that, that's, that's the principle here. And sometimes we make it about, you know, for, for all, every, every bit of Adam and Eve in the garden and, and, and Jonah preaching to Nineveh and every story that we could talk about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego boldly standing up. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. But when man, when creation ceases to do what creation was invented to do, then we lost our purpose. When it brings glory to Satan, it's over. When it comes more about sin than what's right, it's over. Two examples in Scripture that we have about this is Matthew 24 and Genesis 6-5. But as in the day of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So what were the days of Noah? So he was talking about this. And God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was it talked about sin. And this is the thing, because I think we're, I want to establish this. And, and we're, guys, I, I know we've got a lot to cover in this. And I know you're thinking that we'll be here till 10. I promise we'll cut it off and pick it up next week. But one thing that I want you guys to understand as we go through this, God's not coming back because people are sinning. Because if that was true, he would have had to come back with Adam, Cain, and Abel. (laughs) It's like, literally, there's only two of you. It's like, you have two kids, and now there's only one, and one's a murderer, you know. So, I mean, you got to understand from the beginning, and I think people, when they see sin, they're like, God's got to come back any moment. Look at the sin. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that because the existence of sin has been from the beginning of time. So I think sometimes people have said things have gotten so bad. Can I just kind of give you some flashbacks to Hitler? Can, can I take you back to the Roman Colosseums where they used to fill Colosseums and drag out preachers, burn them at the stake, or just let wild animals rip them apart for entertainment? I'm just saying it's for like sin in the world. Sin's been bad for a long time. So it's not a matter of things have gotten bad. And, and I mean, you could go into like, man, alive, like the, 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 today with the, like the sexual sins and things like that. Can I take, take you back to Sodom and Gomorrah? You guys know what I'm saying? I mean, so sometimes I think we're like, wow, things are so bad. The Lord's going to come back at any time. But there's more than just the presence of sin. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you guys get what I'm saying? It wasn't just a matter of sin. It was a matter of turning their back on God and walking in a direction that I don't need God. The whole world. It was, and what did God do as a result of that? Mankind, this world, no longer brings glory to me. So he saves the one that does bring glory to them and says, redo, and brought them back. I mean, that's pretty gruesome depiction to just wipe out that. But man, 
And the world was created for the glory of God. That's why it's so important. Church services, your life, your marriage, your home is all about one thing. It's about the glory of God. It, it, is, it is about every circumstance that you have, every trial that you face, every dollar that you own is for the glory of God. It, it, it all comes down to that. Every imagination of their, uh, of their hearts, their thoughts, their minds, and the word imagination there means their mind at work. Every, all that they thought about was no longer, and the Bible says talk about think on these things. Every imagination, everything that they did was, uh, was wicked. And, and I think about wicked times of, of just when, when man's, the world's minds can shift in another direction and there's no longer conviction. I'm going to bring this out there and just because I, I hate to bring glory to Satan in any way. But can I tell you guys that what we saw or we didn't see or what we heard about with the Grammys was a perfect illustration of this. Um, the guy, what was his name, Sam Smith, came out and perform, performed the song Unholy. Does, does everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. That's great. It's blowing up. I mean, it was, when they did it, they got the response that they wanted. And they, they were talking about he dressed up like Satan and had demons around him. And he was a homosexual and had all, it just, it was very, I didn't watch, okay, I didn't watch the Grammys by the way. They were like, well, we know what he did on Sunday. Um, but it was, it was so big. And the song that they did was called Unholy. That's the name of the song. So they had all these people doing all these ungodly acts and all this stuff. And to, to a guy dressed up like Satan that was singing as a, as a homosexual and, 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 and all this other stuff. And before they did it, the network, when they tweeted out the message before the song was sung, and they've already taken it down because they got so much grief for it, it says, it's now time to worship. Let's get ready to worship. Yeah. And it was Satan and people, by, I mean, and I, I know that there's stuff out there that is just simply people joking and everything. And I'm, I know there's certain things you don't joke about, but this is kind of like grotesque in your face. And I'm talking about like standing ovation to, to sick. It's every thought of their mind was just wicked continually. No glory to God whatsoever. And, and this was praised. So it says in Luke 17, 28, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. So now we have a second illustration of this, okay? How was it in the days of Lot? And the, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous. So it's not saying in the days of Lot there was the presence of sin. It's saying in the days of Lot there was this. The sin was great and the sin was grievous. The cry was great. Okay, so... The, the, the cry was great was literally it was no longer secret sin. It's no longer I, I have these uh, problems, I have this thing that I do. It's no longer a secret hidden addi addiction or whatever you, however you describe it. It was a matter of them turning it into a display of sin. And, and, and so as you see this in America is for what was once, uh, how, do you, how do you say it, in the closet? is now parades. What was once, I don't want to talk about this, is now um, a, a month to celebrate. It's no longer a secret sin anymore. There's no shame. 
And you think about it, where, where was shame first described at in the Bible? Adam and Eve in the garden. They went and hid themselves and covered themselves and hid themselves from God because of the fact is we were ashamed. And now it's a matter of like, here we are, God, what are you going to do about it? We'll spit in your face. We'll scream these things. We'll wave the flags. We'll light up the White House and rainbow. We'll do all these things. So they're cheering on sin. There's no shame. And the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah was great and because their sin was grievous. Now the word sin was grievous means heavy or to a boiling point. You could put it this way. There was absolutely no bringing glory to God. It ceased to accomplish the purpose of God. So what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? God pulled out Lot and God destroyed. You guys see a pattern here? You see a pattern here? And I know people are like, wow. what, what was? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But at the same time, there's grace and mercy and grace and mercy. And God is being long-suffering, 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 and then judgment. And that's what it is. And that's why we preach. And that's why we have days, like on March 5th, where I say, bring people that are just hurting. Bring people that are going through stuff. Bring people that are lost. And let's have days that we pray and we fast and we seek God to turn their eyes towards God. The ending of both was sin got to a boiling point, no glory, no shame, and then, it, and then, it, then it, God destroyed. So how does this apply to us today? Because like I said, sin has always been present. It's been present in every generation. It's always been there all the way from Cain and Abel. So what makes today different? And I know you're thinking this has no point to it because you're just talking about sin. Sin's always been present. Remember, we're talking about biblical principles about end times. So this is like not just like, you know, a red heifer was born or any of you guys know what I'm talking about, anybody in prophecy, or, or, or peace treaties that are changed, or Israel becoming a nation, and all these different things that we talk about prophecy. I'm talking about the big overarching purpose of mankind. Matthew 24 to 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be, uh, be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. It says in verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of birth pains. It's a description of a woman going into labor. And if anybody has been married to somebody that's had a baby or if you've known, what happens is, is oh, I felt something. You know, it's like eight hours later, the conversation changes. Uh, it's no longer I just felt something. It's like, why? Anyways, um, the, the agony of birth pains gets intense and there there's there's the 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 travail and and what happens is it goes from oh i felt something to the 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 pains of birth getting so and that's the description that's being used here it's the beginning of sorrows and and it's that using that illustration and it's talking about how it's going to get stronger and stronger and so i think that there's certain things in sin that it's like a woman being in labor, that it's, it's getting worse and worse, or the pain is getting worse and worse as we get closer. And it says in Matthew 24, verse 12, we're just going through this, and because iniquity shall abound. Now we're talking about sin in a different aspect or a different light. It's no longer just saying because sin is bad, but it uses the word abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. So really what I want to do for the remainder of this time is just break that verse into two parts. And talk about those two parts.
So the iniquity shall abound. Sin has always been present. But the word abound, or look at the word iniquity. It's, it's a violation of the law of God. It's unrighteousness. So it's, it, iniquity is simply describing saying uh, that, that uh, people are breaking the law, but it's on an elevation of an abounding means to multiply or to increase. So this is where it gets interesting. Um, so, it's, we're, so we're going to talk about sin. And if you look forward in your notes, you know where I'm going with this. I'm like, okay, are we living in last days? The question is, is sin abounding? Is sin multiplying? And, and so, it, and I think you're going to be kind of shocked the way that this ties in. The Old Testament prophecy is a verse that I've heard taught for years, but let me tie this into this. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And that to and fro is kind of, it's, it's a cool description in Wally Williams. If anybody has history of the church, he used to teach on this all the time. He's great. He was, he teached the whole thing and never looked down at notes. But he was talking about how travel would expound. And back in the day, they would have to take you know, three, four, or five weeks or whatever to cross the water, depending on where they were going. And now we got on an airplane and be there by dinner. It's just to and fro. So we, we've got that global transportation, which literally is part of prophecy, whatever. And so flights, trains, cars, all these kind of things is all around us. And then now we see it even with like SpaceX and stuff like that. It's crazy with the description of that, that they didn't have or even know what that meant. But it said, and knowledge shall increase. The word increase there means to bring in abundance, to enlarge, to excel, to be full of, to be great, to multiply. We've got the same references in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. One uses um, that word there, to abound, uh, and then the other one says to increase. But both of them have the same definition, that knowledge would explode. So we, we thought this was happening when the printing press happened, okay? And people, every generation, when, when something happened, it was like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is what the Bible talked about. Now with internet and computers and smart TVs and smart watches and smartphones and Alexas and all these other things, we can now talk to our cars. I mean, you, you talk about knowledge shall increase. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have to figure out anything. I don't crack open an encyclopedia anymore, I say, just Alexa, tell me this, and it tells me. Um, now, with the AI, is anybody familiar with the AI websites that are right out now? Okay, so if any of you are not, it's one of the coolest, scariest things you'll ever see in your life. And anybody that's having anything. So now there's websites now, and this is becoming extremely popular, as popular as like Alexa's were, as popular as like the Wi-Fi and Internet was when it first came out. You can speak into these AI generators and they can come back and tell you and make up things like entire, you tell it a sentence and it will expound upon it. And, and I, I can't even, I can't even, I almost was going to take a time to kind of illustrate this, but we have played with this as a staff and uh, as guys and things like that. And just ask it, write a letter to my mom, excusing me from school and, and, and throw in these things and it will completely generate it. You, you can ask it, like, uh, write a, a love poem to my wife and include these elements and all these things, and we'll completely do it. Research papers, and all, now it's doing artwork and all this other stuff. It completely, you just give it a little bit. It completely makes it all up with details and stuff. Generate code. Generate code. It breaks code. 
But, but I, I'm, I'm trying to explain that knowledge would explode, and you say, okay, but that's not the whole thing. I don't, God was never like, I'm coming back because they can talk to their GPS now. Okay, that, that's, not, that's not a sin issue. That's not something that's taking away from the glory of God. But because iniquity shall abound. So actually, I'm just done with my introduction. <laughs> Are we living in the last days? And I promise you we'll just cut it off and pick up next week. Are we living in the last days? Number one, we live in the day of multiplied sin. I'm not saying we live in the day of sin, but multiplied. So let me prove this. When you go back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angels came to warn Lot, and the people of this city came to ask him, and this story just should give you the creeps. I'm just trying to prove a point of sin, Okay. Um, like, like, are we living in the last days because of sin? Let me recall this story. And they called on Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we might know them. The words, we might know them, literally is grotesque sexual sin. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Okay, so... Has, has Lot been affected by the world that he lived in? That's the question. Did, yes. did sin affect him? And, and sometimes we have the mindset like, why? I, I, I watch these movies and I listen to this music and I'm around these friends and I'm this, but, but I, you know, it doesn't affect me. And I've had people say that stuff to me. It doesn't affect me. You can't jump in a septic tank and not come out stinking, okay? And, and that's the thing. We live in a very grotesque culture. His children were affected by it. Behold, now I have... This is his response, okay? Trying to protect the angels that were in the house. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you and do ye unto them as is good in your eyes. Is that wicked? That's sick. That is... Guys, I can't even begin to like... For this even to be a thing would be grotesque. For it to be my daughter's... And this, describe your daughters as being virgins that are pure for the sake of honoring God or whatever. And just like, I'll just, only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came thee under the shadow of my roof. And, and so this attacks marriage, attacks the home, attacks, it attacks uh, family. So, so let me, so I, I just want you to know that sin line, man, it, it was broken a long time ago. But let me show you how it's escalated, okay? Internet pornography statistics. Now, the thing that I hate about giving statistics like this sometimes is I don't always, they don't always have like, what is the 2023 statistics? Because whatever I'm going to tell you is the most recent that I could find, okay? So I'm telling you whatever it was, some of these statistics are like 10 or 12 years old, but they don't, they don't do stats all the time. So I'm just going to give you what I've got, okay? But you guys can imagine kind of like, Fast forwarding to the today, okay. Um, how much porn is accessible online today? Now I'm talking about knowledge shall increase. We're talking about what is AI, cell phones, smart devices, smart TVs, Wi-Fi, internet, high speed, all this other stuff have to do with sin. Has it multiplied sin every second? Now remember when I'm reading these stats, it's not every day, it's not every minute, it's every second. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second, 
$3,075 is being spent on pornography every second. Every second, 372 people are typing the word adult into a search engine every second. Every day, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States. Every day, 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent and received. Now, let me stop and compare this because you're like, has it multiplied though? Let's, back in the day, the, 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 the level of what we would talk about immorality in America was penthouse and play, playboy. So that, they were the ones that were like, they're destroying America with their filth when they were. The first issue of Playboy was in December of 1953, selling 53,991 copies. It was a ton. The top-selling issue was November of 1972 with 7.6 million copies. Did it grow? Did it increase? Absolutely. Now, compare it. Every day, 68 million searches are related to pornography, which is 25% of all searches on the Internet. Do you guys see the comparison? You guys see what I'm saying? They thought 7.6 million copies of a printed catalog uh, was like massive, like sin in, infecting our world. Now every day, 68 million searches to pornography. 116,000 related to child porn are received. Child porn. You say, why is child porn so big of a deal. And, and for anybody of a normal mind, it just doesn't make sense to you. So let me explain it to you. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It pollutes and it pollutes and it pollutes, but what it doesn't do is it never satisfies. Sin never satisfies. There's never enough drug. There's never enough alcohol. There's never enough anything. You're never going to get to a point like, I'm fully satisfied. Never going to get. Man doesn't get. That's why Sodom and Gomorrah went all the way down. Now in the days of Noah, they went all the way down because it never satisfied. So every time they take a step further into the darkness, there's another door that Satan opens up of something new, something different, and that's how you have. It's just the depravity of man. That's exactly what it is. Um, so let's look at this. How is it affected? Uh, how should we put this? How has it affected the glory of God? How has it affected the home? How has it affected marriage? How has it affected uh, our kids? How online pornography has affected Americans? About 200,000 are classified as addicts. 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. You think about how much we use the internet. I mean, you know, for everything from a recipe to directions, whatever. And you think about 35% of the usage of that is all porn. 34% of internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to pornographic content through ads, pop-ups, and, and emails and things like that. That's why we have pop-up blockers. That's why you have uh, firewalls and all that other stuff because it will come in and it will get in in every way possible. Uh, One-third of porn viewers are women. But you think about what, what, what is it doing to this generation? Satan knows what he's doing. Guys, what we had a safeguard to for years of like, wow, that's bad, that's bad. You know, like even when Penthouse and the magazines and everything, I mean, Christians knew, okay, that's bad. I'm not going to ask for the magazine behind the counter. It's bad. But the generation that we're growing up now has the phone is a necessity, 
You know what I'm saying? I need to be picked up. I need to know my job schedule. I, you know, I, I need my GPS and stuff like that. So now it is their world. It's, this, this sin abounding has literally invaded their world. It's every day. It's every part of what they're doing. So it has increased the odds of teenage pregnancy to the point of frequent exposure to sexual content on TV. It, it increases pregnancy because it, it, de, it, it changes their mindset. And the ones that watch sexual acts, whether it's a porn or just TV mature material, doubles the rate of teen pregnancy because it, it, it pulls them into an area where it's no longer right and wrong. It becomes entertainment. It hinders sexual development. Now, you guys think about this. Think about this with me as I say. How many kids today that we grew up and we're like, I don't understand. I knew I was a boy because I was born a boy. Or I knew I was a girl because I was born a girl. And it makes so much sense to us. And we get so mad and so frustrated. Why? Because it just makes sense. This isn't one of those things to be confused about. It just adds up. But fill their minds full of this trash. And they're no longer looking at it through clear eyes. Pornography viewed by a teenager disorients them uh, during development phase when they have to learn about ha- how to handle their sexuality, when, when all those hormones are raging and everything they're trying to figure out, when they are most vulnerable, uh, there's an uncertainty about their sexual beliefs and their moral values. It literally takes something that's like, oh, I don't get this, and Satan takes a blender and puts it in there and like, and, and all of a sudden their brain what they're thinking, how to process, how to view everything. It's just so distorted. It raises the risk of depression. A significant relationship also exists among teens between frequent pornography use and the feeling of loneliness, including major depression. And you think about it today. And guys, we have not even touched. We are not talking about bullying. I'm not talking uh, uh, about rejection and self-image, although it's all tied into it. I'm just taking one slice of the pie that we're talking about pornographic material. But you also take into there that I'm rejected, I'm made fun of, and all these other things. It creates distorted expectations, which hinders healthy, healthy sexual development. Adolescents exposed to high levels of pornography have lower levels of self-esteem. It's not... And this isn't one of, and by the ways, I've tried to document a lot of these things. This is put out not by Focus on the Family, okay, that I, I love and trust Focus on the Family. But my point is, this is what the world is saying. This isn't what Christians are saying. That's bad stuff. No, the world is saying we know this. Family and marital porno, uh, pornography stats, according to the National Coalition of Protection of Children and Families in 2010, which, guys, by the way, that's 13 years old. 40% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. It's almost half. By the way, that was before the massive use of cell phones um, or, or Wi-Fi. It was present, but not like it is now. Pornography use increases marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. So why is it? Because it's so accessible of people identified as sex addicts lose their spouses. 58% suffer considerable financial losses. About 33% lose their job. 68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting a new partner over the internet. 68% of those. While 56% involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. More than half of them. So, So the point is, 
this sin has exploded. And, and I mean, I, I don't think I'm telling you guys anything that you didn't know, but I'm saying in our lifetime, and, and I mean, not even in our lifetime. I mean, honestly, when I got married, I didn't have a cell phone. That wasn't even really a thing when I first got married. And that was in 1997. And, and, and now it's, it's not a thing not to have a cell phone. It's tearing down homes and marriages and future homes. And it's not just internet porn. It, it is streaming videos and online entertainment. And Netflix is in, is in most homes. It's a common thing, just like growing up with a bunny ears on TV. I mean, it just isn't that normal. When it comes to Netflix entertainment, 40% of their shows are rated TV mature. 48, 40% of, uh, of Netflix shows, which literally, if your kids have access just to sit down with Netflix, 40% of that is, is, is pornographic. Now, they're not going to label it as adult content, they, TV mature. Social media, okay, well, let's go back. E- even Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, Sling, and let me throw in uh, social media. When it comes to social media today, it, it has exploded the porn industry because now it's, it's scrolling through stuff that's constantly being blasted in front of you. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok. All of these platforms. The stats dealing with people cheating on their spouses due to online platforms is staggering. See, that used to be in order to have an affair, you had to meet somebody, break the ice, you know, like leave them a note or whatever people did. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't... Now there's dating apps that are set up to help you cheat. Literally. If you're traveling, you get on these... I'm just saying because I, I, I hear stories so much. Guys, I am telling you, this is not like crazy out there. I, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> this is very normal in our culture today. Very normal. To go on a business trip, jump on an app, and meet somebody is as, as, as easy as friending somebody, and it happens all the time, all the time. It goes deeper than this. 40% of online affairs lead to real-life affairs. So and by online affair, I literally mean I think you're attractive, and, and, and I'd love to meet you. If you were my wife, I'd treat you so good, and all, all these things. Just the flirting leads to 40% of that ends up being real-life, because the same thing with David. David's on the rooftop. He saw Affected his mind, affected his mind, affected his mind. Go get her for me. See, the battle for your mind is so real. And it just builds up and builds up to to where people act out on it. The internet has changed even the way that sex is sold. The internet and digital technology are fueling worldwide growth of human trafficking. 4.8 million individuals worldwide are victims of forced sex. I'm, I'm not just saying... Like, like these people that make the videos and sell this and stuff. I'm talking about forced sex pornography, 21% of whom are children out of those numbers. And that statistic goes all the way to 2019. And it's not just sexual sins. Uh, this, is, this is hate, division, racism, all the other stuff that is pumped out. I, I think that we harp on the one because I think we're so familiar with the effects of that. But the, the question is, can it, can it get worse? What's next? I, I mean, like, being alive, this is so bad. But we're talking about outdated statistics. So there's a website called Enough is Enough that addresses these issues. And the average age for now of getting the first cell phone is 10 years old. 
More than three quarters of self-generated material being images or video are featured uh, uh, of features 11 to 13 year olds of which are the majority of girls. Three quarters. If you think that this generation has an obsession, give, give an eight-year-old a cell phone. They can navigate that thing better than you can. And I'm, I'm talking about kids that can get on there and it's crazy. Nearly 40% of children have either received or sent a sext, which is a sexual text, by the age 13. In 2015, 24% of 18 to 12-year-olds and 34% of 13 to 8-year-olds watch videos online every day. Every day. In 2019, 50% of 8 to 12-year-olds and 69% of 18-year-olds watch videos online every day. Now, I can tell you now with like TikTok and stuff like that, that has exploded those numbers because those are made for that. In the last five years, these stats, according to them, has more has doubled. So even you say, has it gotten worse? Well, even in their the years, when they went back of 2019, when they went back to 2014, they were saying it was, it's doubled in that time. So what will five more years do? A survey of almost 4,000 children aged between 8 and 13 was found that 43% of them are speaking to strangers online. And I could tell you stories about that. A study published by the journal... Uh, suggests that teenagers who spend more than three hours a day on social media are more likely to develop mental health problems, including depression, anxiety, aggression, and, and uh, antisocial behaviors. Now, I'm going to ask you guys if you notice a trend in our culture today. Anxiety with kids and teens, uh, and, and I know I've shared this with you guys before, when I was in the teen class, I did a survey and when I say in the teen class, I mean just recently, not, not, not when 26, 2006 when I was youth pastor, saying just recently did a survey of how many of them dealt with anxiety, depression. I'd say 80 to 90% of them checked yes. 80 to 90% of it. You say, why? And here's what parents deal with. They have a good home. I bring them to church. They don't have to worry about food. You guys know what I'm saying? It's like, what in the world? You got parents that love you and we do anything for you. You got shoes on your feet. It's not like they were going through the age of the depression and, you know, in World War II and all those other things that people talked about where they're rationing out food and walking and having to worry about catching some sort of rare disease or whatever. Teenagers who spend more than three hours a day on social media are more likely to develop mental health problems, including depression, anxiety. That's what it is. And the, and the thing is, it's, you're not good enough, you're not liked, and nobody likes you, and you're not as pretty as this Photoshop girl and everything else. The amount of time that people spend on social media is constantly increasing. Teens now spend up to nine hours a day on social platforms. And I don't think that literally means constant, but literally it's just interactive through their day. So how can this get worse? Now, the thing is, it has totally changed our culture. It has changed how we view marriage. And if you think about how knowledge has increased, how did we go from literally, we don't talk about like the LGBTQIA plus stuff to where now it's like every TV show, every TV show. Amen. It is every, it's commercials, it's Super Bowl, it's, it's everything, it's everything. Oh, it's cartoons. It's, it's Hallmark Channel. It, it's all the above. Disney re released uh, a short a while back as one of their shorts. 
And the whole short, and they've got multiple ones now, was about a guy coming out of the closet telling his parents. But it was done and put on the Disney Channel as a short. You guys know short is just a, 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 a tinier or a shorter cartoon. Uh, but, but I'm just here to tell you guys, this is our world now. And we say, well, we just got to pray that the, I, I'm going to pray for people to be saved. But I'm, I'm telling you that this is end times. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God can't bring revival and praise God for what God's doing in the revivals across here. People have different opinions about it. Let me tell you my opinion about it. You get young people on their knees praising God and seeking God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. That's all I say is praise God. And, and, and I, I say anytime that we can get people on their knees seeking the face of God, praise God for it. And, and, that, and that's, that's what we need more than anything is, is that. And so the, the, the point is, in both stories, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah was great. The sin was grievous. It was heavy. It was, it was overwhelming. So we live in the days of multiplied sin. I'm not just saying that it's prevalent, but Satan has taken that bonfire and taken a 30,000-gallon bucket and dumped gasoline on that bonfire. That's the world that we live in today. And now with AI and the accessibility and everything that's happening right now, and you're saying, so what are you saying? Okay, just let me lay this out. And I'm, I'm, I've not gotten to the second part of the verse, if you guys notice, and the wax and, and the love of many shall wax cold, which is a whole other aspect of it, if you see the pictures and things that I put in there. But my point being this, when we cease, and when I say we cease, I'm saying when America, when the world, when China and Europe or whatever ceases to bring glory to God and sin is on the rise, we cease to have reason for existence in the time that God's given us. And then God says enough is enough. He did it with Sodom and Gomorrah. God did it with, uh, with the days of Noah. And God will do it with us. God will do it with us. What did you say, Bob? And did it with Israel. Oh my goodness, how many times do we have examples of that too? So, um, let me give you one illustration as we close off, and then, then we'll get into the rest of it. I don't, I don't, we probably didn't even go through half of this, it's okay. I didn't know how far, I just knew that I wanted to fill the time. When, 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 when the angel came to um, Abraham, and, and they were talking about Lot and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, does anybody recall the conversation that happened about destroying the city. 50 righteous. And then what? 40, 30, 20, 10. Do you guys see, do you guys see something? But, but why would God save if you find 50? What, what was the reasoning of that? He wouldn't destroy the righteous. Why? Because there's still people bringing me glory. Glory of God, glory of God, glory of God. God says, at some point, I'm just going to take the remnant out and bring them home and start over, which is the rapture. I'm just going to bring them out. And that's what God did with Lot. And that's got what God did with Noah. And, and I know, and that's what God's going to do with us. And, and that's why the Bible talks about the great falling away. That is when sin shall abound and all those other things, the glory of God is like this. So, so you guys see... When I say we're talking about 
end times. And, and I mean, there's a thousand signs and, you know, like Israel and, and you know, the, the nations rising up and the tree speedies and uh, the mark of the beast and all those are legitimate things that I love talking about. But I'm just saying, let's look at the big one because you're going to see these signs as soon as you leave the room. You're going to see it. It's all around us. 